Powder Room. This is Juliet and Yvette. And on this episode, we are going to be discussing Moonfall, which is a 2022 science fiction disaster film starring Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson, directed by Roland Emmerich, aka the master of disaster. The master of disaster. <laughs> what a nickname. I love it. It's great. It follows two former astronauts alongside a conspiracy theorist who discover the hidden truth about Earth's moon when it suddenly leaves its orbit. (laughs) Shot in Montreal on a $138 to $146 million budget. Wow. Wow, that's huge. It is one of the most expensive independently produced films ever made. Okay. Which, yeah, on that budget, I would think that's a... It's mind-boggling. Roland Emmerich is the director of... The Day After Tomorrow and Independence Day, mm-hmm. all sort of those doomed day. Yeah. Now, one of the other things you need to know about me is William Faulkner once said that he reads Don Quixote at least one time per year. Okay. I'm, I'm obsessed with this. My Don Quixote, the film that I watch at least once a year, is Independence Day. I usually watch it around July 4th. It's usually on TV. I actually, I also own it. I just love it. In fact, we've discussed it so far. We can keep a running list, but let it be known that Gladiator is one of my favorite films, and Independence Day is right up there. It was a box office bomb that grossed only $67 million worldwide. I can't believe it grossed that much. To be That's honestly shocking. I... That's shocking. <laughs> We start with lots of fun clips of previous space mission launches. We hear Mm -hmm. Buzz Aldrin. I almost said Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) (laughs) We hear Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) To infinity and beyond. (laughs) We're out in space. Halle Berry is there. She's playing Jacinda Fowler. And Patrick Wilson is playing Brian Harper. But as per our tradition, we're just going to call him Patrick and Hallie. Yep. Sounds good to me. Hallie's in the space shuttle. She's monitoring the different screens. Yes. There are so many times in this movie where half of the acting is literally these characters looking at screens and going, (gasps) reacting off the screen, right? I want to say it looks like they're just fixing a satellite. It's nothing big. They were definitely like, oh, just another day at the office. And I just thought... Is this how chill our astronauts are up in space? Literally tethered by this <laughs> little rope. I would want another rope. I, mean, I, would, too. I would need to be chained. <laughs> yeah, I like, want a chain. Each of my limbs, okay? <laughs> I think one of my biggest irrational fears is being lost in space. Yeah, like just drifting. Never gonna <laughs> it's never going to happen for you. <laughs> She's losing sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Just seeing you going. Ah. Now you know what my nightmares are. Yeah, that says a lot about you. <laughs> the vast void <laughs> of uncertainty, coldness, darkness. I was like, well, something bad is going to happen. Uh-huh. We Obviously. do learn right away that the rookie Marcus. Um, is he a rookie? They or- call him a rookie. Okay. And immediately you were like, all right, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very Marcus. easy to assess. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we can't call off Halle Berry or or Patrick Wilson in the first two minutes. They're on the poster. Marcus has to die. Out of nowhere, 
this tidal wave of tar yeah, comes it, blasting You out can't tell really what the matter is made up of. The tidal wave slams into them. And Marcus goes flying. R.I.P. was a great guy. We never even got to learn about his children and his, his wife lovely that wife. He left behind. Yeah. <laughs> this tar cloud hits the space shuttle so hard that it starts spinning and spinning and spinning. Yes. That's really important for later. Hallie hits her head, knocked unconscious. Thankfully, Patrick is, through just the forces of momentum, he's pushed back into the ship. Which I was like, buddy, you would have been dead too. Patrick is able to open the hatch. We go to the moon's surface and the black tar is digging into the moon. I love those kind of shots where it's so specific, but yet it's supposed to seem minimal. Like, will the audience recognize this or will they not? Mm -hmm. And it comes back later and you're like, you're supposed to have this, oh my God moment of, they showed us that at the beginning. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) We're back on earth. We're at Patrick's house and that movers are packing it up. And Patrick's young son is despondently watching news coverage of his father. And it's weird. Yeah, it's a (laughs) lot of exposition. But we learn NASA fired Patrick. And Patrick sued them for wrongful termination. And NASA blames Patrick for rookie Marcus's death. The news anchor says, we have obtained footage of an internal debriefing where Patrick claimed that the accident was caused by a mysterious technological space anomaly. How did this news agency get their filthy paws on internal (laughs) NASA docs? Especially since we find out later that this was heavily covered up. So I just, I was like, huh, who was filming this? Such clear quality, too. Pristine, as if if the journalists are in the room. (laughs) This is where I have a big problem. With the physical evidence they must have. Also, how is no one in the world questioning this snippet that's like, some matter Mm -hmm. attacked us, and then we never hear of it again? Getchville. The ship was so banged up. Yeah. Why wouldn't you believe him? Because obviously he got back. So uh, it's just, and they have all of the readings from all of Holly's machines and screens in yep. there. Why wouldn't they believe him with the physical evidence? It's not like he just went out and took a hammer and started causing this. The mm-hmm. ship spun and spun and spun and spun. I know. That was uh, weird. It's so very weird. They're questioning Hallie and Patrick, and Hallie looks so guilty. She is shaking. She's looking side to side. She's throwing Patrick under the bus. She's like, oh, I was unconscious. So one of the things... I'm like, bitch, you didn't see Jack shit. Okay, so the swarm hit the shuttle, and then we first learn about one of our main characters in this film. And Patrick said, it impacted in the Mare Chrysium. Well, I'll tell you what that is right now. The Mare Chrysium is a lunar mare located in the moon's Chrysium Basin. It's one of the largest patches of black on the moon. Oh, okay. So ancient people believed when they studied the moon, ancient astronomers believed it was a sea. Because to be fair, it does kind of look like a yeah. sea. It's a, one of those big black spots on the moon. It, I think, kind of helps make that old man. Yeah, the face. Yes. yes. Patrick is asked, could this have been caused by a passing meteor. Uh-huh. Meteors are a small, rocky, or metallic body in outer space, and they fly at 45,000 miles per hour. So a meteor would have 
destroyed the space yes, shuttle. I agree. Anybody in a position in NASA that would be in this meeting that would be questioning Patrick would know that there's no way that they could have just been tapped by a meteor. A meteor would have... It took me two seconds on Wikipedia to go, huh? And then you've got Hallie being like, yeah, it could be. And I'm going, you are going to end up being the lead of NASA. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, she's like, uh, I mean, I, I guess. She looks so guilty. No wonder they think that they're lying. Totally. It's 10 years later. We are at UC Irvine. And we meet John Bradley. He's playing K.C. Houseman. And John Bradley is, of course, our favorite scribe from Game of Thrones. Yes. We are going to later learn that he's not a janitor. He just, he's insane. (laughs) This is insane. So he's (laughs) operating one of those floor polishers. Yep. And a professor leaves his office, and John races in there. He's got an assortment of pills. I was like, oh, this guy's insane. As soon as he broke in there and starts, <laughs> you know, hacking into the system, I was like, oh, this guy. He logs into the professor's portal. How does he know his password? I have no idea. It's fine. He's pretending to be the professor. He's tracking the moon's orbit like a psychopath. <laughs> he calls someone and goes, hey, yeah, I'm Dr. So-and-so. And they're like, yeah, hey, what's up? Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, if someone other than a vet called me and said, hi, this is a vet, I'd be like, no, it's not. I gotta be honest with you. If I was working at an astrological research center, which it is, this is the Chilean observatory that he's calling. And a professor called me up and said, hey, can I get those readouts on the moon's orbit for the last 30 days? I'd be like, Huh? Why? It's been the same for the last billion years, but. (laughs) (laughs) I'm willing to bet my life on it. (laughs) He jumps in his car and he goes to what we learn is his second job at a fast food place. He's taking the orders and working the drive-thru line. Yep. But he's also checking his phone and looking at what we can assume was just emailed to him is the different orbits of the earth. That was quick. Insane. (laughs) This was a conspiracy theorist wet dream. Oh, my God. Because they end up being pure. He realizes, oh, something's up with the numbers. He does call up NASA, and he says, I got to speak to the director. I've got some news. He's got to hear it. And we get a fun, you know, this is the gift shop, honey. (laughs) I don't know. Which is totally real. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to connect you to customer service. (laughs) And you're like... Yeah, because no one has a direct line to NASA. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> Halle Berry. We finally see her. It's been 10 years later, and she's got some new hair. She looks great, though. She looked good. Yeah, I like 10 it. years did not pass. <laughs> she, she doesn't age. She looks great. Um, they didn't even try to age him yeah, either. She's got a son we're supposed to care about. I don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> she goes to space. I also don't care about any of the side characters. Yeah, who's <laughs> the side Beautiful. dishes. You know? Served cold. <laughs> Just skip him. She walks in. Now, mind you, at this point, they notice that a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence is happening. With, with the moon's elliptical orbit, it's their nonplussed. They're right. like, oh, yeah, the moon isn't going in the normal orbit that it's been going in for the last billion years. Crazy. You're like, sense of urgency would be nice. We're back home with John Bradley. 
He's on the phone. He's trying to get to NASA. And we learned the director of NASA has a restraining order out on him. Jesus. Okay. I've got, I've got some pitches for you. So he has a cat. And the cat's name, we learn very quickly, is Fuzz Aldrin. Of course, a fun little play on words to Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. I spent way too much time coming up with better cat names. Yeah, hit me. Buzz Aldrin is not using his litter box and pees on the newspaper that's around the litter box. Very convenient. Yeah, he picks up the newspaper and sees a picture of Patrick Wilson, and then it's going to be Astronaut Day, and this gives him the idea to go to Astronaut Day to try to connect with Patrick. Did you think all of this was just so convenient? It oh, was like, yeah. It was just, just so, oh. But I did spend a little time looking at <laughs> new. Okay, so I'm going to give you a pitch. I do like the name Zenith. Zenith is the point in the sky that's du- directly overhead. Ooh. So I like Zenith. Yep. Apollo is a kind of a cute name for cats. And it of is. course, Apollo is the name for all of our moon missions. Missions, you know? yep. Right. But I really think I hit a good one. Okay, are you ready for this? Third time's a charm. Okay, this is my favorite. We named the cat Houston so that he can say, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> you got to use the litter box. <laughs> right? <laughs> is that cute? That's adorable. I think, yeah. I think like Houston is, because like we even made a, Houston, we have a, buzz, a buzz light year. Buzz yeah. Aldrin is, is too, uh, you know, look. It's lame. It's it, Yeah, I just, Houston would have been so fucking cute, right? Yeah, because that also fits the character, getting mad at his cat. <laughs> Houston, we have a problem again. Yeah, Houston. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so good. I know, I'm telling you, like, why did they call me? Like, Fuzz Aldrin, that's cute, but it wasn't even that fuzzy. Like, it wasn't like a fuzzy cat. It was like a normal. It was like, a normal looking cat. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is. Gosh, my. Did you see later in the film the oh, cat? Yeah. <laughs> a little astronaut cat. <laughs> this is wall saver. Yeah, no, it was a cute bit. It just could have, we could have spent a little more time. <laughs> Brainstorm. Yeah, brainstorming the name. This My cat, Houston. Oh, and we could have gone. I wonder how many people sat around and were like. No one, because <gasps> they would have come up with something cuter than Fuzz Aldrin. Come on. Patrick Wilson, he gets woken up by a very angry landlord. Patrick, of course, is, he hasn't paid his rent. Why hasn't Patrick paid his rent? Well, we soon find out Patrick just jumps out of his window and gets onto his motorcycle because he's a bad boy that cannot be tamed. And we see as he rides away that he has a view of the Griffith Observatory. The reason this man hasn't paid his rent is because he's renting in the most expensive place in Hollywood. He lives in the hills, has a gorgeous view overlooking. It is as if the Griffith Observatory is right next door. It's right. This is, he can have breakfast over there. This is the most expensive. We're trying to show that he's poor and that he, he's skipping out on his rent, but he's living in the hills of Los Angeles. But Mary. also, it's been 10 years, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering, when did the money run out? Because I'm, still, I'm like wondering what he's been doing. But then we see that he's going to Griffith for a little speech thing. Our guy, John, he shows up to the Griffith Observatory and barges in. A lot of kids are there. And the kids are like bullies. <laughs> she just spit up her drink. Those kids were fucking mean, weren't they? <laughs> they just little bastards. 
Johnny Kami Kun. I don't know why. <laughs> Again, all, all the shit that Yvette has said. Mm-hmm. That did it. Oh, man. Patrick, he opens the doors because he was supposed to be there for astronaut day to talk to the kids. Why would they want him? He was discredited and fired from NASA. Why? Was that weird? No, it was weird. And I thought the only explanation could have been that this was the only way he was able to get work. Yeah, I guess. And they were like, okay, well, you're probably cheaper than hiring a legit (laughs) astronaut. And I say legit just in the sense that they you know, discredit him. Now, this is kind of interesting. John has won the kids over. The kids are sitting there and they're really paying attention to him and he's talking. He's feeding them his conspiracy theory ideas. It's very interesting because John tells them that the Apollo 12 mission dropped their empty fuel tank onto the moon as they were taking off to get off the, Mm -hmm. leave the moon, come back to Earth. All of a sudden, NASA starts recording a lot of vibrations, meaning that the moon was ringing like a bell. But there is, uh, I watched a whole YouTube video on it. Okay. So NASA did uh, record these vibrations and they were like, that's really interesting because it, at first thought, if something rings like a bell, it's because it's hollow. Right. Now the moon is not hollow. But this movie is going to go and take that leap that the moon is hollow and that there's something else inside of it. You're going to enjoy this film more if you just accept what they tell you as fact. But, you know, that actually is kind of interesting that they were kind of like, whoa. I don't know if you watched this or not, but there was this part of the History Channel called, uh, they would do this segment called Ancient Aliens. (gasps) Yes. And there was one segment where they talk about the stars and the moon in relation to the Egyptians, the Babylonians, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Mayans, and how they all were obsessed with the stars and astrology. I mean, it was the best show in town. No, it really was. And <laughs> what I loved about the show is you had people from all rays of belief. You mm-hmm. had the people who are super religious. You have people who don't believe in any God. And then you have people who are conspiracists who, one of them said, the moon is fake. And... <laughs> It was created and built by aliens, and it's monitoring Earth. And it sent its people down and basically gave information to our early ancestors. And that is why humans are obsessed with space, because we've been told by this God or these other people in our subconscious that, yes, that's like... Interesting. What kind of bums me out about that is I feel like it takes away a lot of agency of our ancestors. Our ancestors were incredibly brilliant. They built the pyramids by themselves. There was no alien that came down. You know what I mean? Like they kind of right, yeah. It really bums me out when uh it's look, it's fun. It's something that gets people interested and gets people thinking and reading and I don't have a problem with it. It's not hurting anyone. It's not like COVID conspiracy or, you know, No, but it evil. is interesting. believing in aliens isn't hurting anybody, but you know. But I will say immediately, once John's character started explaining what his theories were, that the moon was hollow and all these things, I immediately thought back to that Ancient Aliens episode about the the moon being fake. And I thought, are they, did they literally just go to an Ancient Aliens episode and just think, all right, which crazy conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. can we make a movie about? This teacher's gone for so long. (laughs) 
Like, this psychopath that believes that, that the moon is hollow is just talking to her kids. And who? where is she? He could have just put them all on a bus and got the hell out of there. <laughs> so we, again, this movie drags so hard, so hard. Whenever they focus on anyone that's not part of our triad, yeah, this movie sucks so hard. So Patrick <laughs> gets a call. It does. This <laughs> it does. Patrick gets a call and it's his ex-wife and she's like, turn on the TV. And Patrick's son is in a high-speed car chase with the police. And I don't give a fuck. No, because later, this is the most bizarre courtroom scene <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire no, no, life. Yeah, this, this was the most bizarre. This, this is where they gave up on the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> They were just like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Patrick Wilson stands up, angers the judge. And- he walks in late, too, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and then the attorney that has been appointed for this kid goes, Your Honor, money is no object. And then the, the, the judge, understandably, is like, well, that he must be a flight risk. <laughs> What's going on? Patrick Wilson stands up yelling more nonsense about he's a good kid. A good kid. And oh, and yeah, those drugs weren't his. I was like, first of all, I was thinking to myself, oh my God, you are, first of all, you're not helping. No one is helping. No one is helping. Also, in what crazy universe does Patrick's character believe that his words are going to carry more weight than his attorney. He is a world-famous liar that was fired from NASA. He looks like a crazy lunatic. He is insane. And he's standing up in the courtroom, and he's going, those drugs didn't belong to him. They were his friends. And, oh, Lord. So then it gets even weirder because as the judge is trying to leave to go home, (laughs) wants to get home to his wife and kids, Patrick (laughs) accosts him. In the lobby of the courtroom. There's high winds outside and people are like, we got to get home. Our our homes might be flooded. And so you can see the judge is like, I got to get home, buddy. Do you see this weather outside? The reason they think this crazy storm is happening is because of something very interesting. The moon is getting closer. I thought this looked cool when we see these scenes. As the moon gets closer and closer to Earth, we get these beautiful shots, but the ocean is flying up towards the moon because of the gravitational pull. We are now getting flooded. And people Mm -hmm. think that there's like a hurricane or something's going on. Everyone wants to get home. Patrick goes up to the judge, the judge, and says, I've got a Mustang. I've got a couple thousand dollars. Are you fucking bribing me? Are you... Public official bribing. Oh. So yeah, that kid's in jail now. <laughs> He's a flight risk. And the judge is like, I don't give a fuck. He's going to be there until at least Monday. So we go back to Hallie. And again, her job in this movie is to stare at screams and react. And she Whoa. is doing that yet again. The moon is headed towards Earth. The idea being that it's going to keep orbiting. And every time it makes an orbit, it gets closer and closer. It's got about three orbits until it starts breaking up into big chunks that are going to then come crashing down and we, humanity, will go the way of the dinosaurs. And they're like, oh, it's three orbits around the Earth, so that gives us about three months. And they're like, well, no, because each time it goes around, since it is getting closer, it's picking up speed and the Mm -hmm. gravitational pull is stronger. So it's really, we only have about two to three weeks. The other thing that's so bizarre is the ticking clocks in this movie are very manageable. And the idea of the sense of movies, like, we've only got three weeks. And I'm like, three weeks? <laughs> like, you know, right. like, that sounds like, let's all, some late nights. You know? 
know, but we got, we got some uh, sleepless nights ahead of us. Folks. Yeah, but we gotta, you know, stretch it out, crack the knuckles, and let's get to work. Let's let's, let's blow together. this up. Let's fix this. Let's figure this out. Patrick, he finds out that John is speaking at a hotel. Right. Oh, yes. He's giving right. a little, like, everyone, like, my conspiracy theory, it's coming true. It's I, real. Patrick shows up, and the tides are coming, and they're in this hotel lobby, and Patrick yells to everybody, quick, get up the stairs. We got to get higher up. And the water comes crashing in. Did this kind of look like a Universal Studios ride? The water came in, and Patrick you know I- has to save John, and John's like, I can't swim, and then... It, it kind of like, looked like Titanic when Titanic is sinking and the big glass dome crashes yeah. and the water comes barreling in yeah. to that lobby area. I was kind of like, oh, okay, we're just in a Titanic scene here. Um, you know, of course, then uh, Patrick saving John, you know, as Jack saves Rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. Right? Um, he saves him. I just him couldn't and help but then- see the similarities. <laughs> and also, mind you, there was a few times where like waves hit the hotel that they're in. And I just thought, well, this got to be a really mighty strong hotel because we did an aerial view shot afterwards and you see the damage and it's like the last building standing. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, look, there's one thing I know about Hyatt Inns. (laughs) They they care deeply about their foundational structure. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We are here, I promise you, that... We might not have the warmest water. We might not have the softest beds. But, but in a natural disaster, we will protect you. <laughs> oh, God. I'm crying. I was wondering, I was like, how is this still standing? <laughs> Do we have complimentary breakfast? Not at all. But I'll tell you this. We got musty carpet. Sure, but will you be alive during a cataclysmic world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got bunkers down below. <laughs> yeah, this this hotel, man, it withstands the force of a thousand suns of this water coming at it. I would have just stayed there. Oh. You know, at this point, I'm like, you survived these waves. <laughs> I'm staying. Well, they do. Th- th- those two boys, they tuck into bed and they fall asleep. <laughs> Again, like Titanic, the old couple. <laughs> so, oh my God. We go back to Halle Berry and finally, God, finally, she's given clearance. Can I just say, thank God, whenever she came on screen, because I was like, all right, maybe we're going to get somewhere with this yeah. lady. So there's a moment where head of NASA He's like, well, there's really nothing we can do. Uh, So I'm going to leave to take care of my family. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know what? I leave it to you. And he just hands his key card to Halle Berry. And she then goes downstairs to look up the files. This is where I'm like, this guy is the director of Independence Day. What's going on? Because the director of NASA is like, I'm going to go home to take care of my family. And I'm like, in a few days, there's going to be nothing. We all need to work together. Yeah. We need to put aside our silly differences. Mm-hmm. And that's what these disaster movies do. do. Yep. And it's like, he knows he's the master. How did this, what? It's, go, it's, it's it, wild. This is more mind-boggling to me than Ridley Scott directing The Last Duel. <laughs> because, you know, Ridley yeah. Scott made Gladiator. Yep. And then he made The Last, like, the, you know. This guy made Independence Day. A solid, fun 
July 4th movie. It's like essentially, imagine Independence Day and Gladiator being a chair. It's got these four really sturdy legs yeah. holding it up, right? Yeah. It is an example of pristine architecture. Yeah. These ver- these movies that they make, The Last Duel and Moonfall, are essentially you take a jackhammer and you just <laughs> annihilate the hell out of each of the legs <laughs> till they are pegs. And then you're supposed to sit on the peg, just take it up the ass. <laughs> So confusing. (laughs) Oh, well, that's all I got for you, folks. I'm going to sit on this. (laughs) I'm sitting here watching going, huh? The whole world should be healthy. The whole world lives on the planet. (laughs) The planet's going to be destroyed. We should have had a scene where everyone is on the phone Mm -hmm. and we've got translators. There was more sense of urgency and togetherness in Chernobyl than there was this film. Yeah, and those were Soviets. (laughs) (laughs) And they wanted to keep it on the DL. (laughs) They're like, we got to work together to keep this shit under wraps. This is going to take all day. But still, they were like yeah. phone calls in the middle of the night, yeah. rushing there, rushing there. You know, there was yeah. all of this manic behavior. Yeah. Here, people are relatively calm. They're like, all right, we're about to blow up this fucking moon. Let's and do it. Nothing mm-hmm. says that more than we go back to Patrick and John. Yep. And these two grown-ass men are sleeping like babies in their hotel <laughs> room. <laughs> Remember, hide it in. <laughs> You're going to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> You won't even hear the neighbors next door. Yeah, this structure is sound. It's solid. And they get woken up. Halle Berry has sent special operatives to go and get them. Naturally, because she's the only one that has their shit together. And again, our main girl, mm-hmm. the Mayor Chrissium, shows up again. She's a fickle bitch. <laughs> Halle Berry is like, do you see the smoke coming from the Mayor, Mayor Chrissium? I'm like, oh. I learned something new today. <laughs> we do have a fun scene with Hallie and her son. Her son is playing with the toy space shuttle, and he says to her, what I thought was a good line, are you going to take one of these up or something like that? And she goes, no, we can't, baby, because they're all in museums. <laughs> but of course, we've got the shuttle Endeavor in L.A. Have you gone to see it? Have you gone to that exhibit? I have not. It's so, it's smaller than what you'd think. Mm-hmm. That's what I... I walked in because you have to buy special tickets to go see it. And um, you walk in. And my first thought was, this thing is smaller than you'd think. It was crazy. Um, Very cool. Impressive. Like, don't get me wrong. It's totally. (laughs) It's it's a huge machine. But you just, you know. Yeah. So they get the shuttle Endeavor. So what happens is they get this rocket all set up to launch. And they have a very small window because the gravitational force of the moon is going to make it impossible. They realize, oh my God, one of the three engines is not working. And the amount of people we would need to get here to fix it and all that stuff, it's going to take too long. And Hallie asks, with the moon's gravitational force, it could help push it. Hallie, though, doesn't really believe that. And so she ends up sending literally every human. It was so defeatist. By this, she's been the driving force. Well, it was just a matter of seconds. Yeah, she's like, oh, fuck it. (laughs) Let's all find a Hyatt-in bunker down. We might survive this after all. I was like, that's, I I thought that was the most 
not believable part of this film because it was not characteristic to her. At this point, we're two hours in, right? Yeah, and, and I just thought, been... oh, are we just going to watch the world end? Yeah. Essentially. Well, of course, we we get that, I they get that idea that while the world is being destroyed by how close the moon is, the moon might actually help us get our ass up out of the... But now the window for that is very small. Right. Hallie, Patrick, and why does John join them? He joins them because he can do the calculations pretty quickly. He's going to be the engineer on board. Okay, cool. We're taken off. There's a huge tidal wave coming. Yes. And this is the beautiful shot that you were speaking of because we see this come in and mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. Yeah, this is, again, there's a reason he's called the master of disaster. This was, I thought, a little exciting. Yes, totally. Wow. I was on the edge of my seat at this point. Oh, cool. Okay, yes. good. So it was kind of fun because also yes. there's this element of like, man, I almost We need like, to do something. Well, yeah, the, the movie's kind of starting. We're finally yeah. like- Gonna go taking after. lift off. Yeah, you know I mean. exactly. But two hours in, whatever. Was this movie a little bit of a love letter to Elon Musk? Oh yeah, the amount they of times they're like, couple of they times. go, what would Elon do? But he also would probably want to have credit for saving the planet. We finally get to go to the moon. We're entering the Mary finally, and we're finally penetrating this this old gal. <laughs> it's we time for the it's time for the money shots. Time to get in there. <laughs> they have a good time. Yeah. We're going to the Merry Chrysium. <laughs> and this is where everything- Did the moon feel violated? <laughs> we should probably ask the moon. <laughs> this is where John's whole thing, the moon is not a planet. It's a Dyson sphere. Well, first of all, the moon is not a planet to begin with. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's not just, a- It's a moon. It's not like a globe or- well, okay, but what's the difference between a planet and a moon? Well, a moon, based on size alone, is much smaller than a planet. Okay. But then a lot of, we have planets in the solar system that are surrounded by moons. Why can't they all be little planets? Okay, hold on. <laughs> no, you, you had to be snarky. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Is the moon a planet too? Um... Our moon has a crust, a mantle, and a core, blah, 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 blah. When the moon formed, it formed like a planet. Um, blah, 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 hold on. No, I'm sure you're right. We are finally going into the moon, and we get to see that the moon isn't just a giant big rock. Right. <laughs> but yes. that it is a Dyson sphere. The idea being we're capturing a white dwarf star, and by harnessing the star's power... We can move and groove throughout the universe. Yep. Go where man has never gone before. It's a little stupid, but this is science fiction. We're having fun. And I'm not going to lie. It gets a little strange. The swarm attacks us. Our three heroes are knocked unconscious. And the next thing we know, a green light is scanning us. Our team wakes up, but Patrick's not with them because Patrick is getting a special crash course in our ancestors. Love it that we're getting this at the 11th hour. Our ancestors were brilliant, charming, captivating people that created artificial intelligence. Very similar to Terminator now, the artificial intelligence decided they wanted to kill us all. Our ancestors built these Dyson spheres to try to escape. And... One uh, remains. Yeah. It, the rest were destroyed. Yeah, and they're all dead now, but this moon was protecting us or monitoring. I, I don't... Yeah, it was, located Earth because Earth is one of, you know... Earth is the Earth is the beauty of the solar system. It's the blue planet. We can have life on our, our planet. So our ancestors were humanoid that looked 
just like us. Right. Yep. And I guess the idea being they're all dead, they're good technology is, oh God, the, the technology that is on the star. So the idea is the swarm has been attacking this moon for the last 10 years, trying to get deeper and deeper into the central hub. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Okay. Its job is that it wants to take out Earth. Yes. Because once it does, humans will cease to exist. Oh, okay. Yes. Why didn't it just go after Earth? Uh, I don't think it was big <laughs> enough yet. It was like, <laughs> okay. So Patrick, he's got a plan. He's learned so much about the world and the circle of life. And he's he has been told that he needs to sacrifice himself to save yeah. the world. Yep. And he's got a plan. The three of them go back out and that green laser... Mm-hmm. Is uh, <laughs> is like leveling them up. They get like a kind of a new ship. Yep. And so Helping then them out. there's a chase that they're flying through this Dyson sphere, and the Dyson sphere has like rockets that are going and attacking the swarm. And then, in a I thought a, a rather touching scene, Patrick goes to shut himself off, but John kind of pushes him out of the way and closes the hatch door. John says. Look after my mom. Check in on my mom. Yep. Which was his mom. We, like, again. The character development, we really don't care. Yeah, um, but his mom is dealing with dementia and is yep. older. And so, he, you know, he just, he he thanks Hallie and Patrick for believing in him. Hallie and Patrick. Keep going. Keep going. And uh, the swarm envelopes John just like we knew it would. And John hits the trigger and blows up. I thought that was a sweet little scene. No, I I actually really enjoyed that scene. At this point of the film, because we've not touched on it yet, uh, on Earth, Halle Berry's ex-husband, who we have not even... <laughs> because <laughs> he is the stiffest actor. He's the st- I was going to say the same thing. I was like, wow, you couldn't have found anyone with... Anyway. I, he looked like he had a board attached to his back. The ex-husband is a leader in the military, and he has a direct line to the president. And, uh, <laughs> Everyone's got a direct line. And he also was direct line to the head of the military in the U.S. <laughs> Their big idea is we are going to destroy the moon from the Earth. We're going to blow it up. <laughs> and yeah, the nuke subplot. Yes, the nuke subplot. Oh my God. Now, I, I know blocked we have, it out. I, I blocked it out. It's it. so but, dumb. But here's the thing it comes all to this point because the husband, he knows that his wife is on the moon. <laughs> but, th- you know, in this film, they just act like you can just hop over to the moon. Yeah. We're just gonna, we're just gonna hop over to the moon real quick. <laughs> just say hi. <laughs> Have a little tea. We'll be back for dinner. No big deal. And so he's, yeah, guys, we can't blow it up. And they go, what do you mean? And he goes, my what? You know, my ex-wife or whatever. She's up there. And they go, can you really trust her? <laughs> and he goes, yes. And they go, well, we don't know if we can trust her. And then the world presumes to fall apart and they are all killed by just rocks coming in on Wait, the room. Wait, he's killed? He's not. But oh. like everyone else in that room is conveniently. Oh. Yeah. So it was so boring. The concept of if we're going to use nukes or not was so boring that I literally <laughs> just blocked it out. We all knew it wasn't going to work. Like that time my boyfriend told me he never loved me. <laughs> I was like, this didn't happen. You just block it out. Because <laughs> that's his <laughs> So, okay. 
Uh, they land. It's very, the ending is very similar to Independence Day because Hallie and Patrick land in the desert and their family members run up to them, which is exactly how Independence Day ends with them all hugging in the desert. As soon as this explosion happens, almost at warp speed, the moon pulls back from Earth Mm -hmm. and just glides right back into its regular orbit. Oh, thank God. I know, but at (laughs) rapid speed. And it is... Within mere hours, Mm -hmm. it is as if nothing ever happened at all. Yeah, we got to put everything back where it belongs. And there is wreckage. (laughs) (laughs) Colorado will never be the same again. (laughs) (laughs) We then go back to the moon, and we are threatened by a sequel. They threaten us with a sequel. Did you pick that up? Yes, I did. Because John has been, even though he was destroyed in the bomb, the artificial intelligence that's running this moon, which I guess is the good artificial intelligence, has kind of recreated him. His conscious is, exists. His subconscious, sorry. He says something like, we should get started? Or Yes. And I was like, don't, th- don't threaten me. But you know what this made me think? What? He wakes up the same way that Patrick did. Right? right. So then I was thinking to myself, after seeing this scene with John, I was like, is is Patrick real? <gasps> oh. But like he must be. See again, I think this is you do this. <laughs> you make these terrible movies so much more interesting. With you're just like, no, I, I can't even say, like, this is not the first time you've done this, where you're like, but what if? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, I'm like, I don't think that I think <laughs> I don't <laughs> I think you're just too smart for these films or something? And you're like, this could really say something about society. (laughs) No, I just think it was bad. (laughs) So zero out of four stars. Where are you with this film? I think I'm at two and a half stars. Oh, okay. Because- What gotcha? Tell me what gotcha. I just think there were so many stories that actually could have been the movie that weren't. I loved that NASA covered up the swarm. Mm-hmm. And we had just that cameo with Donald Sutherland. And I just thought that would be an interesting thing. When I headed into this film after seeing the trailer, I kind of figured it was going to be a shit show. So I, from the very beginning, was, you know what? Whatever they are throwing at you, take it as fact. Believe that physics and everything, it's all true, whatever you see. Because that made me enjoy it a little bit more because I was able to just get swept by the cinematic experience of it. Now, mind you, did I watch it on my little phone? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I though I will say I didn't have a problem with the science. I researched the science. I put no, it out. but you you researched it. I just was like, yeah, okay, we're just gonna go in for the ride, and I didn't look anything up. I just kind of my big problem was that the higher ups in NASA seemed to be asking third grade questions to Patrick. All Patrick needed to say in the beginning was, "Look at my ship," and I just you know there's just a bunch of white men. There was a lot of white men in this film. (laughs) Who were just all sitting in these big rooms calling the shots. And I was like, why do you get to call the shots? I just thought, what? And a lot of that didn't make any sense to me. And I just thought it was very elementary uh, storytelling. This is the highest score you've ever given. No, I gave three to Devotion. Oh, okay. Well, that was was actually a solid movie. (laughs) Wait, Devotion got three, but this got two and a half? Yeah, and Mother got two. <gasps> okay. I'm giving this two and a half because I did really like the twists 
at the end of this, okay. you know, the, the final chapter, if you will, where we get to see, oh, our ancestors and, you know, they built this object to essentially save their their kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I, I thought that was kind of a nod to Interstellar too, because Interstellar, um, how it ends, right? That, you know, the world does end, but they are able to exist on this, essentially this little ring, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so very similar to Interstellar in that way. Patrick and Hallie did a good job of keeping me entertained. I could care less about any of the sub characters. I don't care about his son. I don't care about her son and, you know, the nanny and all that shit. But all this to say, I was, I was entertained the last half. Okay. You know what I mean? And I think, look, the VFX did a nice job. Mm Mm-hmm. I there weren't many moments where I thought, oh, that's really bad CGI. You yeah. know, I I thought it was, you know, it did a good job. No, there were some beautiful shots of the, yeah. the moon is just beautiful. The, Do I think that this film film is worth watching again? Definitely not. Yeah. Would I ever recommend it to anyone? Hell no. It's not going to be on my list of space movies. Yeah, or sci fi films for that matter. But it was entertaining enough. Yeah. I mean, look, I agree with everything you say. I'm just surprised you gave it two and a half. I I can barely give this one star. What? Um, well, because it just, like you said, the ending was very interesting of the, the idea of the AI. I, it took I way like, too long to get there. I feel like I've heard this all before. I is I don't know. The Dyson Sphere is kind of an interesting concept. My biggest problem was the human characters and how they reacted Mm-hmm. Yep. I just didn't understand that. We've got the director of NASA coming out and asking Hallie, what am I looking at here? Uh, clearly an elliptical orbit. What did you think of Hallie's character in this? I thought they did a rather good job of, I mean, she was the only one in a sea of idiots. Who gave a shit. Yeah, to the point where... Her boss needed an elliptical orbit explained to him. Did you also think, wow, we had a female save the planet? Uh, civilization. Yeah, the, uh, unfortunately, though, it just wasn't a celebration because it was not. It was, it was well, we never so, had the speech. I know. And that is something that pains me greatly. Yeah. The speech that Bill Pullman gives in Independence Day uh, was very impressionable. It was a huge, big blockbuster movie. And after Bill Pullman made this speech, people cheered in the audience in the theater. It was so fun. I mean, this movie was fun. And and this is what really just bothered me about a lot of characters in this movie didn't seem to understand that you can go out fighting or you can just go out. There are... there. There is no... There's no in-between here. Yeah. The, the moon is heading towards the Earth, or in Independence Day, aliens are coming, and these aliens are not going to sing Kumbaya with us. <laughs> it was as if the entire globe just said, huh, oh well, I guess this is the end for us. And the speech is everything that people need to be reminded of in honor of Independence Day. I'm going to let Bill Pullman give us what we so rightfully deserve. Take it away, Mr. Bill Pullman. Morning. They're a little young. Yeah, they are. They look a little nervous. I need all flight crews to report that our designated areas are 
morning. Good morning. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps despite that today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live exist and should we win the day the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday but as the day when the world declared in one voice we will not go quietly into the night we will not vanish without a fight we're going to live on we're going to survive today we celebrate Do I have goosebumps? Do I get myself goosebumps a little bit? I love that speech. <laughs> All right. Are you going to rewatch it tonight? A little bit. Already did. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us here in the powder room. <laughs> this is Yvette and Julia. We're signing off. Until next time. Bye. Bye.